Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Lord, I uh, pray that you speak this morning, that your word goes forward again in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so with baptisms coming up, we're going to begin a series this morning called I Have Decided. It's a series on baptisms, uh, but if you've been baptized, that's okay. Don't mentally check out because this is going to apply to you uh, as well. We're going to talk about kind of what it means to live the baptized life. So uh, if baptism is an outward symbol, an outward expression of an internal or a spiritual transformation, what does it look like for us as the body of Christ to live, to walk in that spiritual transformation that baptism represents? So to begin this morning, I just want to start with one of the more well-known passages Uh, on baptism. Uh, Jesus said this at the end of his ministry. Actually, it was after his death and resurrection. And at the end of his post-resurrection ministry, uh, we know it as the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, Uh, Very quickly, uh, what I want to do is kind of touch on what is the biblical model for uh, baptism. Uh, I want to talk about how we do baptisms at uh, Cranberry Community Church and why we do it the way that we do it. And then we're going to spend most of our time talking about the spiritual implications. But uh, at CCC, uh, we do baptisms by full immersion. So in two weeks, uh, there's a a place uh, on the Allegheny River about 10 minutes away, and there's a... um, Uh, overhang there and we have a a picnic, we have a potluck, we have cake, we celebrate because it is a celebration, but we go down into the river and we do baptism by full immersion. The reason that we do full immersion is because in the Bible, the most clear New Testament model for baptism is baptism by immersion. I want to show you that in in Acts chapter 8, when Paul encounters uh, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, The Bible says that they went down into the water. The Ethiopian eunuch wanted to be baptized. It says they went down into the water uh, and he baptized him and they came back up out of the water. And it actually says the same thing about Jesus in Matthew 3 and Mark 1. Uh, In Mark 1 verse 9 it says, At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan just as Jesus was coming out of the water. So again, he's gone in and he's coming back out of the water. He saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending like a dove. So the the most clear spiritual or or New Testament model for baptism is baptism by immersion. But uh, really all we have to do is look at the original language that uh, it's written in. So uh, the word uh, for baptism in the Greek language is baptizo. uh, baptizo, uh, And the actual meaning of the word it's pretty clear. It says to immerse, to submerge. The word submerge there is, uh, if, if they were describing a, a ship that has sunk, they would use that word that it was baptized. It's been fully submerged in the water. To wash, to overwhelm, to make whelmed, or uh, that is fully wet. So when the Bible talks about baptism in the New Testament, uh, it uses a word that means uh, you are fully submerged, uh, you are fully uh, emerged uh, under or immersed under the water. So that is why we practice baptism by immersion here. 
Now, I do want to say uh, that one of my favorite things about this church is that in this church, we have every faith background you can imagine. Uh, we, we have a lot uh, with a background in Catholicism, uh, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, uh, uh, Evangelical, uh, Lutheran, you name it. Uh, and I think actually that's something special that God is doing here. Uh, is that uh, this church is not about advancing a denomination. Uh, this church is a bunch of people from diverse backgrounds coming to advance the kingdom of God. It's a bunch of people who come from all over the place just saying, I've come here to pursue Jesus. I believe God is doing something special uh, in that way. But with that being said, uh, differing backgrounds produce different opinions on baptism. So some of you in this room... Uh, you come from a background where baptism just isn't really practiced. Others of you uh, where baptism uh, happened by sprinkling. Others by uh, infant baptism. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Uh, we don't do infant baptism here as a church. We do infant or, or baby dedication services. Uh, but uh, uh, what I would say is if you're here and you've never been baptized, sign up to get baptized. If you're here and you've never been baptized by immersion, I would encourage you to sign up to get baptized. Uh, if you're here and you were baptized as an infant or you were sprinkled, uh, sign up to get baptized. And the, way, the reason uh, I say that is regardless of your view on the method of baptism, I believe baptism should be your decision. Uh, it should be something that you decide to do. So unless you are like a genius baby that as a baby thought, I want to get baptized, uh, I think you should make that decision for yourself. Uh, and what I would say to you is, don't look at this as a correction to what your parents did. Actually look at it as the fulfillment of something your parents did. Uh, your parents made this commitment that they wanted you to walk before the Lord, uh, and now you can actually see that come to fruition in your decision to be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. Now, uh, the question is, uh, if you don't get baptized, will you go to hell? And the answer is yes. No, I'm just kidding. The answer, <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, baptism is not a matter of salvation, but baptism is a matter of obedience. Uh, salvation is by grace alone. It's not by grace plus baptism. It is grace alone. Uh, for instance, the thief on the cross, uh, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not, oh, if only you could have gotten off the cross and been baptized. And then, no, he said, uh, salvation is grace alone in Jesus Christ. However, baptism, again, is a matter of obedience and it's actually, it's interesting if you look at baptism in Jewish culture, because it went back hundreds and even several thousand years. Uh, baptism or some variants of baptism was, uh, it was a, a key component of ritual cleansing under the Old Testament law. Here's the thing about these Old Testament rituals, though. For the most part, Jesus didn't care for them. Jesus did not keep rituals going for ritual's sake. He didn't keep traditions going for the sake of tradition. Uh, tradition. In fact, if you look at the Bible, uh, among the religious establishment, this is one of the things that Jesus was most scrutinized for, is that he didn't hold to the tradition of the elders. In Mark chapter 7, it talks about this ritual of ceremonial hand washing. Uh, and they would have to wash their hands uh, before they ate anything. And we think, oh, obviously, uh, you know, it's to clean your hands. No, we do that today to get rid of germs. But they did it in the Old Testament as a ritual uh, to eat uh, with cleanness. And 
the religious leaders were scrutinizing Jesus. They said in Mark 7, why don't your disciples hold to the tradition of the elders? And Jesus essentially said, uh, the issue at hand is when you follow these traditions, you get into this pattern where you just do the tradition for tradition's sake, but your hearts are far from me. And specifically in Mark uh, 7, 8, he said, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Again, in John chapter 2, with Jesus' first miracle of turning the water into wine, uh, you remember uh, what he used to do that miracle was ceremonial jars that were for the purpose of uh, a ritual of ceremonial washing. Now, anyone who esteemed the rituals and the traditions that those jars represented would have never defiled them in the way that Jesus did. But Jesus was not concerned with tradition for tradition's sake or ritual for ritual's sake. And actually, even some of God, uh, the God-ordained kind of ritualistic practices, uh, Jesus did away with uh, the reason being because he fulfilled them. So you had this entire priesthood of the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled that and he did away with it. You had uh, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Jesus did away with it because he fulfilled it. You could even look at the Old Testament law that was replaced by grace. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law. And Jesus was not interested in keeping the ritual for the sake of the ritual. Yet then we come to this ritual of sorts called baptism, which again stretched back over a thousand years in Jewish culture. But in this case, not only did Jesus not get rid of baptism, he commanded it. He, he redefined it and he transformed it, but then he commanded it. He said, you go into all the world, you make disciples, and you baptize them. He could have said anything then. He could have said, uh, you, you make disciples and, and then uh, you, you teach them to walk this way or to give. Or, or you know, There are so many things, but he said, you make disciples and then you baptize them. Why? Because baptism was not a ritual for the sake of uh, rituals. Baptism uh, was this event that Jesus saw that something powerful takes place. So I want to ask a couple questions this morning. The first is, why do we get baptized at all? And why do I encourage you this morning to get baptized? And I'm going to give you two answers, even though only one is necessary. The first is because it is the example that we are given by the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost came and Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he laid the gospel message on the people. And the Bible says that they were cut to the hearts and they looked at Peter and they said, what do we do? And I have it here on the screen in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Turn to Jesus and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if we move to verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. It was just expected. When you accepted the message of Christ, you were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. And I'm just trying to imagine how tired Peter's arms must have been at the end of the day if he baptized 3,000 people. But that's a, a great problem to have. But what we find is this pattern taking place in the book of Acts in the early church. Uh, people would come to Jesus, place their faith in him, and they would be immediately baptized. In Acts chapter 8, 
uh, Philip proclaimed the, the good news to a group of people. The Bible says in verse 12 that uh, they believed in Jesus and they were baptized. We already talked about the Ethiopian eunuch later in chapter 8 who believed and was baptized. In chapter 9, when Saul or Paul received his sight back, immediately he was baptized. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in the jail and they began singing hymns to God and there was an earthquake and their chains fell off and the doors opened, remember the jailer was ready to kill himself and Paul called and he said, don't kill yourself. And we'll pick up right there in Acts 16, verse 29. It says, so the jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. I want to stop there for just a minute because I want you to see two things. He didn't say, believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized and then you'll be saved. He just said, believe and you'll be saved because baptism is not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of obedience. The, uh, the second thing that he says here is you and your household. Now, when he says your household will be saved, it doesn't mean that because you believe there's like this family tree of everyone under you is automatically saved. Uh, but actually, this would be referring to just in their culture, uh, the leadership of the patriarch. Basically, the family follows the patriarch. If you commit to Christ, your family will follow you. And I'll show you that actually kind of in the next verse. It says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. Uh, so following that, they didn't just present the gospel to the jailer. They presented the gospel message to everyone in the house. Does anyone want to guess what happens next? The next verse, it says, At that hour, the very hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately, someone say immediately, immediately, immediately he and all his household were baptized. So this pattern is continuing, that you place your faith in Jesus, you get baptized. It's just the expectation in the early church. It's just what you do. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, as this pattern is continuing, I want to show you one more thing. Uh, Paul encounters this group of people, and, and he's telling them about the Holy Spirit, and, he, and they say, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, into who were you baptized? And they say, we were baptized into John's baptism. We didn't even know there was a baptism of Jesus Christ. So Paul leads them in a second baptism. Instead of John the Baptist's baptism, uh, he leads them in the baptism into Jesus Christ. Now, uh, there's some debate over what is the difference between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism. I'm going to try to differentiate uh, the best I can after studying uh, some. There was nothing wrong with John's baptism during John's ministry. The only issue with John's baptism long-term is John's baptism was still under the law because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't fully implemented grace. So baptism into Jesus Christ was a baptism under the grace of Christ. When John baptized, it was still a baptism in the law. What does that mean? If you go back to the Old Testament, uh, people would be baptized over and over because they had to continually be cleansed from their sin. Uh, what John was doing was a precursor to Jesus' baptism. But under John, it wasn't you're, you're baptized and all your sins are washed away forever. Under Jesus Christ, when you are baptized, it is symbolic that your sins have once and for all been washed away. So in the Old, in the old Covenant baptism, 
baptism kind of symbolizes obtaining purity and obtaining a cleanliness, and it's only temporary. But in New Testament baptism under Christ, you are not obtaining purity. You're identifying in the reality that you are now pure, that you are now holy and righteous and cleansed in Christ. Do you see the difference between the old covenant baptism and the baptism in Jesus Christ? The baptism of Jesus, I want to point out, was symbolic. So it's not that you have all of your sins until you're baptized, but that, that baptism is a, a symbol of what has taken place in your life, that you have been cleansed. Now, I said I would give you two reasons. So the first reason is because it's the example of the, uh, the New Testament church. But the uh, other reason is the only reason you need. It's because Jesus commanded it. He said, go make disciples, baptize them. It's the only reason you need to get baptized is because Jesus said, when you have placed your faith in Christ, go get baptized. Okay. Uh, uh, the only... Uh, uh, I guess the other half of this message is not why we get baptized, but what does baptism symbolize in our life? So uh, baptism, uh, first point, Greg, baptism is a public declaration of a personal decision. Uh, It is a public declaration that I identify with Christ, that I identify myself in his death and resurrection And I identify myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. This is why throughout the New Testament, it was when you believe, you get baptized. You are publicly identifying yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, Emily and I went to a wedding yesterday. Weddings are the worst when you have young kids. Uh, I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, But we went to a wedding, and you go to weddings, and... You know, you think you're a guest, but actually, legally, you're not there as a guest. You're there as a witness. Uh, Legally, uh, you are the witness of what is taking place on that stage. And they are declaring their love and and their vows before one another in front of a crowd of witnesses. That's the purpose uh, of the wedding, at least legally speaking. Baptism is kind of the same thing. It's you are publicly declaring that you are wedding yourself to Jesus Christ, that you are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have made that decision to identify with him. And then uh, point number two, Greg, baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation. So in Romans chapter 6, Paul is writing, uh, and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So when you go down in the water, it's symbolic that you are uh, participating in the death of Christ. He says you are baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So baptism uh, is to show this inward transformation that is taking place where I am dying to sin and I am being raised to new life in Christ. Now that does not mean that when you come out of that water, 
you will never make a mistake again in your life. But what it means is you have been cleansed and you are pure and you are righteous because uh, the Bible says there is one baptism. That doesn't, that doesn't mean uh, if you're baptized, never get baptized again. It, it simply means there's only one necessary baptism. When you are cleansed in Jesus Christ, you don't have to go back to be cleansed by him again. That cleansing, it washes your sins past, present, and future away. Now, Paul specifies that doesn't mean to continue in your sin. That's not the meaning of grace. But it means that we are no longer bound to sin. And baptism represents this transformation that takes place in our life. Now, uh, what I would ask you is, if you've already been baptized, are you living in that reality? Are you living in the reality that I am dead to sin, that I continually walk in that transformation? I am dead to sin, and I am alive in Christ Jesus. Now, baptism, point number three, Greg, is a physical image of a new spiritual reality. In Acts chapter 22, Ananias, when he was baptized in Paul, he said, he said, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash your sins away. Again, this wasn't a, a literal when you're baptized that washes your sins away because that happens, the Bible says, the moment that you place your faith in Christ. But what he was saying was uh, when you go through that baptism, there is this symbolism of when you come up out of the water, your sins are completely wiped and washed clean. Uh, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, John says, I'm writing to you, dear children, he said, uh, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Now, when John writes, your sins have been forgiven, he writes in a tense uh, that means there was a one-time event that has eternal ramifications. In other words, you have been forgiven. Only one time is necessary in Christ because the results of your forgiveness Go on and on and on. Does that make sense? And when Ananias said to Paul, he said, be cleansed, be washed, be baptized so that your sins are washed away. It is recognizing when you come up out of that water, you are embracing the reality that your sins have been washed away forever. You have been forgiven forever. And we talked about a few weeks ago, the meaning of that word forgiveness is not just a pardon from your sins, but is, it is a release from bondage and imprisonment to those sins. Again, I would ask you, if you have already been baptized, do you live in this reality that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? That we walk daily in the forgiveness of God. Therefore, you are pure and holy and righteous through no act of your own, but simply based upon your faith in Christ. You are justified, declared legally innocent before God. Uh, Mike, there he is. You can go ahead and come up. Um, the actual root word for baptism, it's a word, uh, bapto. Uh, it's actually a reference to something that they did in the Old Testament where they would take cloth or they would take clothing and they would dunk it down into dye. Not D-I-E, but D-Y-E. They would dunk it down into dye. It was, they would baptize it into the dye. And when it would come up, the material would never be the same. 
It would be stained with whatever that dye, whatever color the dye was. Whatever that material was, would never go back to what it used to look like. And when the Bible talks about baptism, that is meant to be the imagery that when you come up out of the water and you have identified with Christ, you will never look the same. You will never be the same. You will never go back to what you used to look like. And you say, Pastor, I, I, I gave my heart to Christ and I still struggle from time to... No, 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 no. You will never go back spiritually to what you were before. You will never go back to a place of condemnation. You will walk in righteousness before God. You have been cleansed. You have been dyed in the blood of Jesus Christ when you come up out of that water. My final point this morning. Baptism is a celebration, not an obligation. Uh, we bring in cake, like I said, because this is a party, in my opinion. When anyone publicly declares before a crowd of witnesses that I will follow Jesus Christ. Church, we have it easy in America. This happens in other nations. They get baptized, they come up out of the water, and sometimes they're killed. Now, my father-in-law was telling me this recently happened to a 15-year-old boy in, in India. He was baptized in the name of Christ. He came up out of the water, and he was killed by Muslim terrorists. We have an opportunity here to publicly declare our faith in Jesus Christ, to publicly identify with his forgiveness in our lives. And I don't know why anyone would ever look at that as an obligation. That is something to celebrate. If you want to stand with me this morning. Um, Someone asked recently, uh, kind of our church's, I guess, stance on can you be baptized more than one time? And I know that there are different stances on that. Um, uh, I believe that you can be baptized if you want. Because it's not a matter of salvation in the first place. But I was thinking about that guy who, they, they hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, only John's name. And, uh, how they got rebaptized, and they went from this understanding in their baptism of uh, this is almost like a line in the sand where I, I just can't sin anymore, I can't make any more stakes, mistakes, into the baptism of Jesus Christ where we are receiving the washing of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. The reason I bring that up is because if you were baptized when you were younger, but you did it with the mindset that this means I just can't mess up anymore. It's like a line in the sand. I won't mess up again. Oops, I messed up the next day. And you say, I want to get rebaptized into the grace of Jesus Christ, a new understanding that baptism is identifying myself as washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I would encourage you to sign up to get baptized. I believe that Baptism is a powerful, powerful event in the believer's life. That when we come up out of that water, symbolic of the reality that we have been washed clean 
in Christ. Spiritually, that is a powerful event. So in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about just walking in the reality of what baptism means. But again, I want to encourage you, we have the sign-ups in the back and out front. If you are interested or if you just want to talk to me more about it, Lord, we come before you this morning. And we just welcome your presence again, God. I pray that you speak to our hearts. Church, as Mike leads us, I ask you to, to, to close your eyes. And my challenge to you, church, is maybe this has just given you something to, to, to think on. I'll say the same thing I did to you last week. Don't, don't leave it in this church. Uh, take it with you. Uh, and I encourage you to go put everything I've said to the test. Uh, research these things for yourself, that it is a command of Christ and what it looks like. And pray this week. Lord, are you calling me to make this decision? Have I made that decision knowing what it meant in you? Father, I pray you go with us this week. I thank you again that we live in a country, God, where we can uh, celebrate you freely, Lord, that we can uh, walk in faith before you uh, without threat. I pray uh, anyone who's traveling, God, that you would uh, just give us protection, Lord, and bring us back safely. pray that we leave this place walking in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a good week. Have a happy 4th of July. And come back on July 11th. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, May God bless you.